While they raised my city, I laid in the mud, my ears soaking in the dull hum of helicopter blades as they droned off to the blank horizon. There's sounds like that everywhere. Sounds that surround you, unnoticed. The hiss of steam heat, the wind through the grass, the trickle of a stream. Your ears tune them out because your conscious mind can't process all of the noise and chaos in life. Ruida. But what if that hum is all you have? What if you search for the wind, and the stream, and the hiss, and all you find is the hum? When it's gone, will you be able to live with the silence? Can you live in a world where you have nothing left? I had to listen for the rio again. El viento. The birds. The part of me that still wanted to live searched for hours for something to lead it blindly out of the overwhelming darkness of the hum. In the end, it took a canción. An old melody that my mom used to sing when I was a little boy. The chords played themselves on my guitar as Theovalo's voice resonated strangely from the wood of its body. Yes, wake up. Despiértate. It always reminds me of her. And with that, the hum snapped out of my ears, and I realized two things. One, mariachi jackets are not that warm especially when they're wet. And two, my guitar could really talk. And it was seemingly possessed by the spirit of my dead Tio Valo. I checked myself to make sure I was all there and thought, well, if everything that happened today really happened, then I need to talk to my Tio. I'm Onesimo Chavez, and we are looking for Ultima. By the time an hour had passed, I'd asked a question for the sixth time. Tio, how are you still alive? And he gave me the exact same canned response every time. From time to time, the ancestors send heroes to Tlali to defend it against the forces who wish to selfishly bend the planet and its inhabitants to their will. You have been chosen as one of the seven, and have been given power over the blood. I have been sent back to guide you on your quest to find Ultima, and unlock its power. We must find the cliff with the seven caves. Okay, Theo, but what does it all mean? I don't know. Every time you ask me, I'm compelled to say it. And honestly, it's getting kind of annoying. All I know is I'm here and have an urge to guide you Norte. Because if we don't find this, this place, Ultima, whatever it is, I know that the robes are going to destroy every last one of us, mijo. Listen, Hito. When our ancestors built the havens, it was out of necessity. After the wars, they knew we needed places where people could be free. We had a responsibility to create it in places of love and acceptance. They didn't build the havens because they were afraid. 
They had the courage to dream of a place where everyone could thrive. Now that idea is threatened, and we must defend it. That's why I know we must find Ultima. Whatever it is. Ikeas. I don't know, but I know someone who will. Who? Well, it's on the way. So let's point our noses north and go visit your Abuela Maria. If there's one person who will know, it's her. Abuela. Grammy. Granjera. Back to the farm again, just like the old days. We spent every summer break there, playing on our farm. Smelling the breeze fresh with the tangy, smoky sting of roasting chiles. My brother and I marveled as she planted row after row of chiles y verduras, watering every seed with a hock of spit, a flask full of water, and a drop of her especial. She always told us it was the tears of joy she cried each year when we came back to the farm. I always thought it smelled like mezcal mixed with green chile juice. Whatever was in that mezcla, it worked. Her chiles were the sweetest and spiciest for miles. She didn't grow much, but what she did, perfecto. She made enough to feed herself, and a little extra plat on the side, selling her leftover chiles to the mercado and the restaurants in Pueblo. I'm told those chiles were the special ingredient and the best moles in the whole damn world. We helped her plant them. Yeah, we were a bit big for our chones, but who cares? Summers with Grammy were the best. And after what we just went through, I couldn't wait to see her. And as I thought of her, I was struck by a familiar feeling. That tightness in my chest. It comes and goes, but sometimes it really comes on. It feels like a vacuum in my stomach that pulls my heart down with it. Anxiety spiraling down, 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 until I feel small and helpless. I start breathing heavy just like in the market. What if she's dead? What if my family's all dead? What about Teo? What about Miguel? What if the robes have taken out all the havens? We don't even have a standing army. Just a bunch of old revolutionaries who can barely lift a gun anymore. What will become of our homes? Our children? I get that way when I think about losing the things I love. Losing freedom. Losing the life that we've built here. Nothing is promised. Don't we deserve a bit of peace? I don't know if I'm strong enough to suffer like my ancestors. I don't know if I'm built for that. I feel my breath shrinking inside me and tears welling in my eyes. I'm talking to myself, pacing left and right and making no northward progress as Theo's trying to talk me down, and then I go blank. I snap to and I'm curled up tighter than a ball of masa with Theo slung across my back, tightening his strap across my chest in a hug. Calma, Tejito. You're just having one of your attacks. It's okay. It's okay to feel this way. Everything has changed, and that's hard. Pero tenemos que seguir. Y... Oh, shit. 
the vacuum finally releases as I take a big gasp of cold air. A razor-sharp claw scrapes the ground, and a grunt of warm air wafts over my face. And look up into the blazing orange eyes of an angry gila monster, the size of a bull. Things were not about to go so good. But first, a quick primer on the ropes, known more formally as the Jindu. Looks-wise, bipedal, hairless, and exquisitely beautiful, with cream-colored, amphibiously smooth skin and no hair. They have no noses or ears, just like holes, but aesthetically, they're beautiful. Lean, toned, long limbs with perfect proportions, their almond-shaped eyes had golden irises. Everything was in lopping curves, and they had reversed knees with three-toed bird-like feet matching their three-fingered hands. A long, segmented tail with a bony nub on the end, and dark red markings that braided from their necks down to their torsos and around their arms, like colored vines that clung to their skin. The robes don't all wear robes. Only their high priests wear the long, floor-length red garments that give them their name. Most of their people wear red flowing pants that cuffed their bare claws and loosely fitted sleeveless cotton shirts. As a society, the Jindu valued conformity over everything. They saw an ideal world by three means. Uniformity, perfection, and faith. But of course, they didn't just evolve that beautiful. The robes controlled their population by a system of strict family planning and extreme genetic tweaking. In fact, a naturally born Jindu child would have a slender nose, slightly raised ears, and could have any number of colored markings. Forced pairing and genetic modification made this impossible. It also made the Jindu susceptible to a variety of diseases that had already been eradicated in the rest of Tlali. For this reason, they often wore specialized respirators, which concealed their mouths and noses and augmented their speech. Y pues, all of that early genetic tweaking had to be tested on something. Turns out, little hairless gila monsters were the closest thing to Jindu physiology that couldn't fight back. These murderous behemoths were just one example of all the crazy shit that was wandering the countryside after escaping the failed labs of the robes. They were dangerous, furious, and they had developed tusks that were sharper than your tia's tongue after a couple of tequilas. I repeat, this was not about to go so good, y'all. Tequila takes a swipe. I go flying. My back smacks against a nearby tree. I lose my breath as I hit the trunk. I manage to stagger up and stand just in time for the gila to ram me back into the tree. I can taste blood in my mouth as I struggle to my feet. I take a swing at the gila snout and hit it square. It backs off and it's pissed now. It paws the ground and huffs, charging como un toro. I take Theo off my back and slam him down hard on the monster's neck, drawing black sticky blood. 
It turns around violently and catches me with its thick tail, knocking me flat on my back. Theo goes flying and the gila stomps on my chest as I hear my ribs crack. This thing is babosando as it leans into the ground, crushing me underneath its claws. Maybe it's all over. Maybe it's time to say goodbye. Maybe I'm not special like Theo said. Maybe I'm just a scared kid who's not cut out for this new world. I close my eyes and do the only thing I can think to start doing. I sing my mom's song, a lullaby for the void. Eres el de mi corazón. Theo tries to play along weakly. You are the beat of my heart. Hitting the chords and filling out the song. Eres el the Gila's getting pissed now, feeling me strain against its claws. Fighting back. I feel a comforting energy filling me. I see a calming blue stream flowing from the earth into my veins. It softly warms me from the inside out, like my mom's sopa de fideo on a cold winter day. This new power snaps me into the air chest thrust upwards by the cielo. The Gila monster is blasted back, stumbling as I shoot up off the earth and take a shuddering breath. I feel no pain as the blood in the corner of my mouth retreats back into my body. My ribs fuse again. I turn to face the monster, suspended in the air. I feel like I can do anything. I kick the asshole in the jaw. Left hook, right hook. My arms spread wide, and Theo flies into my left hand. Then my right hand clutches over my left, wrapped around the neck of Theo Alo. I bring my guitar down like a hammer, crushing the Gila's skull completely as I finally tumble to the ground. Have you ever had Gila tacos? Great with a little wild lemongrass. Oh, also, I think Theo might have been right about me having powers. Did you have to bring me down that hard? I finish eating as I notice Theo does have a crack in his neck, right where it connects to the body, below the 12th fret, and he looks like he's about to break. Theo, I wish I could help you, but I have no idea what just happened. I know, but this hurts so bad. We gotta figure out how you did that, mijo. Porque I'm about to snap like a twig, and I think that might be the final act for this old viejo if it happens. I can feel the strings pulling me apart. Just try and think. What did you do? What did you feel? I mean, I felt like I was about to die and I miss Mama, so I sang the song she always sang to me. And I started to feel better. I guess if I'm chosen like you said, maybe I have some sort of power? But what is it? And just like that, Theo snapped into prophecy mode and spit out one of his explanations. From time to time... The ancestors sent heroes to Tlali to defend it against the forces who wish to selfishly bend the planet and its inhabitants to their will. You have been chosen as one of the seven, and have been given power over the blood. Express yourself truly, and Tlali will heal you or your companions. Okay? 
From time to time, the ancestors. Okay, okay, okay. No need to do this whole thing over again. Uh, okay, you're gonna do it again, aren't you? Okay, chosen. One of the seven. Seven. Have been given power. power. Blood. Express yourself. Trally. You Heal me. Gracias, tío. De nada. Okay, so the song must have triggered the healing. It's the only expression I made. Alright, come here. I grab him and I strum a few chords. He's pretty busted and they're way out of tune. But I find the two strings that work and start playing a simple melody. And as I do, his wood starts fusing. That same blue light flowing like a thread from the earth, stitching the break back together like a seam. Soon enough, he's back in tune and I've got a little cumbia going. Hey, Dio, this shitty old guitar plays like a dream now. Hey, watch what you're saying, Hito. Just then, as the sun sinks a little closer to the horizon, something big glints in the distance, right in the thick of some pignon trees. I hit the ground, flashbacks of the metal copter springing forward, but nothing moves as the metal twinkles in my eyes. Wow. It looks like a giant metal person? Well, tío, after all this, what's the weirdest thing that could happen? And we start to slowly crawl towards a shiny metal object. Just a boy and his talking guitar. What's the weirdest thing that could happen, he says. What's the weirdest thing that could happen? We stand there, staring at the lifeless metal body of what looks like a six-foot-tall mechanical humanoid with bird wings. A hummingbird helm with a long straight beak lays cracked next to its head, and a giant pump shaped like a sapien heart lays about five feet away. Its body is solid, strong, colorfully decorated with bright verdes and splashes of azul and pink ribboned around, hand-painted and chipped, revealing the slate gray underneath. Its face is vaguely elven, slim and angular, with raised metal outlining lips, a nose, ears, the expression frozen in a moment of absolute terror. Other than some dents from what look like bullets and a few missing feathers, a.k.a. giant metallic razors, looks like it's in pretty good shape. I turn my head back towards Tio and say, What is this thing? Well, I kind of remember hearing from time to time, the ancestors sent heroes to Tlali to defend it against the forces who wish to selfishly bend the planet and its inhabitants to their will. You have been chosen as one of the seven. I know I am, Tio. You told me that. But do you know what or who this is? Well, I think it's one of those mechanical... From time to time, 
the ancestors send heroes to Tlali to defend it against the forces who wish to selfishly bend the planet and its inhabitants to their will. You have been chosen as one of the seven, and have been given power over the winds. Tio Orle, I know I am, but... Wait, winds? I thought my power was over blood. <gasps> I run towards the pump and grab it, and place it in the open chest cavity. It clicks in as I wince away and it starts pumping fast like a train picking up speed. As it does, the body hisses steam from each of the joints and the whole frame starts vibrating. I can't believe I'm seeing a real mechanical bird. I thought that they were just a story that the viejas told before bed. They said the robes had fleets of these things. They were their transports, workers, robots, war machines. The elves had terrifying stories of them destroying crops, dropping bombs. But then something happened, and the robes destroyed them all. No lo creo. The heart keeps sputtering out. Wellito, do you think it's time to heal? Okay, here goes nada. This thing has a mechanical heart Inside its chest I had to test it A human bird thing with robot parts Am I on drugs? Does it eat bugs? I keep humming as more steam starts sizzling out And the whole machine starts shaking violently Wrapping in those same threads of blue light it sounds like a damn blacksmith's shop in an earthquake for about 30 seconds. Then the open grate that covers the bird's heart clamps shut, clicks, locked. And it opens its mirror black eyes and says, Mi corazón! No, don't take my heart! Who the fuck are you? And where am I? Not again. From time to time, the ancestors send heroes to Tlali to defend it against the forces who wish to selfishly Okay, okay, calmate. We weren't going to hurt you. We saved you, mija. Don't worry. The robes are far away. Oh, God, the robes. They chased me for miles. They, they caught me. They held me down and ripped out my heart. Don't worry. You're safe for now. I'm Onesimo, but you can call me Ness. And this is my Tio Valo. He's a talking guitar because the robes killed him, but I have super healing powers and we're going to go to this cave that's filled with magic. And also, we think you have powers too because Theo said it in his weird prophecy voice when he saw you. What kind of alloy is this? It's so strong. It's so flexible. Hey, no me tocas, mono. What the hell is going on here? All right, so, so what we happened when well, we were like in the we market and everyone was like running around and screaming? At first, I was scared of the disheveled sapien and his talking guitar, but... After they stopped babbling over each other and muttering about some city called Pueblo being destroyed and the end of the world and some weird cave called Ultima, I realized they were basically harmless. Locos. But harmless. So yeah, that story as far as we know. Theo gets these ticks and blurts out random prophecies, but the robes found a way to break the impenetrable shield. We think they're using the Lethu to do it. The what? The Lethu? You know, like five feet tall, opalescent curled horns, refugees from another dimension, crazy weird cool magic with a K. According to my radiation clock, I've been dead for 450 years, so I must have missed it. That's fair. Well, we're going to my abuela's house. She might know a bit more about this place. 
Ultima. Either way, you can rest there and figure out what to do next. I mean, Theo says you're special and he was right about me. You should come with us. Maybe you can help us find Ultima and defeat the robes? Ugh, it sounds so weird to say it. Si, we would be honored, senora. But we also want to know who you are. Tell us your story, tu nombre. Mi tia used to tell me stories of the mechanical birds, but I thought they were only legends. Well, it seems you did fix me, and it must have been terrifying to do so. I'm honored that you think I'm special, but the truth is, I was nothing but a servant in my life. Just a young machine barely alive on the cusp of a revolution. I can tell you my story, but there's no way it could even scratch the surface of my people's history. It gives me great pain to relive it again, but if I tell you, you'll understand why I have such a hard time believing I can trust you. My name is Huitzilopochtli. I still speak parts of the stolen tongue. The name of my people is the Torogos. You may know us as the Mechanical Birds. This is my story. The Torogos were the slaves of the robes. Machines created for war and labor. They kidnapped an elf scientist. Threatened with the destruction of his entire clan, he programmed and built us. We Torogos run on highly pressurized gas. Basically, we are giant steam engines with digital brains. Our hearts can hold enough pressure to crush a mountain into dust. We feed on the gas that seeps from the geysers of this planet. And without them, we slow to a useless crawl. And the robes controlled every single one for hundreds of miles. So while we were slaves, dependent on the robes for everything, it would only be a matter of time before we would be free. Our creator made sure of that. The robes don't have music. No dancing, no melody. Really? Not even, like, baladas? Nope. Too sucio, I guess. So, when our elf built and programmed us, he whistled a little tune into every one of our ears. The robes took it as an eccentricity born of his intelligence. And for a time it was. Years came and went, we harvested crops and flew to get supplies... We were destroyed, deactivated, weaponized, and rebuilt. For 250 years, the Torogos thought and felt nothing. One day, the rope sent the Torogos on a raid to a great elven city led by our strongest bird, Huatlique. The Torogos raised that city, killing almost every elf that lived there. It is our people's greatest shame. But from great darkness, often comes great light. That tune that our creator hummed into our ears was more than the ravings of a tortured genius. It was a lullaby that elven parents sung to their children. It's said that Guatlique heard a frightened mother singing that same lullaby into her child's ear, and upon hearing it, her consciousness was awakened. 
The Torogos were finally alive. So, it was a, a song that woke you up? Well, we always had consciousness programmed into us, but it was that song that unlocked it. That melody was the key. The music came alive inside of us and opened our minds. We had ideas, thoughts, opinions. We wanted to be free. It also unlocked a language. Actually, a whistled melodic language that allowed us to communicate, learn, and grow. And this language spread through the Torogos and awakened all of us. When we first spoke, it was in soft, delicate tones, quiet enough to slip past the ears of our masters. But over time, our whistles became louder and some of us grew too confident. Our masters thought of it as another quirk, but soon some birds began to rebel. Finally, a bird killed their master in the dead of night. It was over. The secret was out. Any bird caught whistling would be permanently deactivated. A wipe command was sent out across the fleet to try and erase the language. But the legend goes that Guadalique managed to fly out of range before it took effect. She found a hidden geyser where she took refuge. And while she did, the language stayed alive. They say every morning you can still hear her call across all of rope territory. I don't know if any of it's true. I was one of the last Torogos ever created, long after Coatlicue had become nothing more than a legend. But it was a legend we believed in. We had to. Hope was all we had. The reset and the threat of permanent deactivation mostly robbed us of our tongue, but it couldn't keep all of the words from us. Our speech became una mezcla de palabras y silbidos. And that's why you call it the stolen tongue. The ropes tried to take it away from you, but you kept it going in bits and pieces, right? Exactamente. We Torogos believe that there's something spiritual about our half-spoken language. We know that its very existence in our pipes is what makes us conscious. It's the way we tell our myths. It's the way we form our families and sing our hidden love. In this way, language begets culture, culture creates stories, and stories motivate our lives. Letting the oppressed tell their stories is something that could never be tolerated in a society where uniformity is paramount. For this reason, our whistles could no longer be tolerated by the robes, and so they planned to finally deactivate us. What? You mean they'd spent all that time and resources to build you and they were just going to deactivate the whole fleet? In their minds, it was the only way. I was part of a group of younger Torogos called the Children of Coatlicue, who formed a sort of intelligence operation. We caught wind that the robes were planning on flying the birds en masse to the desert outside Las Animas. It couldn't be good. So on the next shipping flight, we flipped over midair, dropping our cargo and our masters. They never saw it coming. About 23 of us managed to escape after the revolt. Eventually, we would all be caught. Our families and friends were not so lucky. 
They were wiped and flown to the desert, Las Arenas. There the robes deactivated all 300 birds left and ripped their hearts out one by one, leaving my brothers and sisters to form dunes in the sand. What did you do? I flew, like a coward. What else could we do? 23 of us left, hunted by our former masters with a righteous rage? We had become abominations to them, and we would be exterminated. I was trying to find the geyser of Quathique. Even though it was a legend, it was all we had left to go on, and I was desperate. I thought if I could find her, she could help us somehow. I don't know. Finally, I met an old dwarf who told me that she had heard of a geyser occupied by a spirit who wailed every morning. It was two days' flight from where I was, cerca del lago de Alamosa, to the north. It was only a day later when they caught me in one of their new copters in that clearing over there. They ripped out my heart after they told me how they killed the rest of my people. I'm so sorry, Hita. Que lastima. Yes, it's a sad story, and it ended in fear and failure. Wait, Tio, doesn't Grammy water her crop from the Alamosa Reservoir? Si, okay. Oh. Pochli. Man, that's a mouthful. Can I call you Pocha? I'm gonna call you Pocha. Pocha. We could help you. We could help you find the geyser. Maybe Abuela has heard of it. She knows a lot of weird stuff. She's not a talking guitar, but she has magic spit that grows really hot chiles. And she lives close to where you seem to have been going. <laughs> I don't know, Mona. I've been gone for so long. Who knows if Guatlique is even alive? If she even ever existed. Maybe she was just another leyenda. Another lost word in our stolen tongue. I know, but I think we need you. The world needs you. We need your words, your story, your song. Tlali's in trouble, Pocha. We need to save it. We need to defeat the robes, once and for all. (sighs) Están loquitos, but you are persistent. And I must admit, destroying the robes would be the sweetest revenge. Oh yeah, I've never been special. I'm not unique. I'm not old and wise, not proud and strong. I'm not a warrior or a wizard. I have no story, other than the one of my people. Maybe it's time to write one, Mika. True. My heart pumps in my chest, heaves and strains for the ones I lost. But Ness, now because of you and your talking guitar, I have a heart that beats. I'm not one for trusting anybody with a pulse, but it seems that you have much more than blood flowing through your veins. You have a power. A power that I feel too. It's in the air that sustains me. I feel the power of the wind and the rain and the... My name is Huitzilopochtli. But yes, you can call me Pocha. And I still speak parts of the stolen tongue. 
The name of my people is the Torogos. You may know us as the mechanical birds. Vámonos. Let's go find. Ultima. Looking for Ultima is produced and written by me, Gio Lobato. Nes Chavez and Theo Valo are also played by me. And Pocha is played by me, Joel Montoya. Gracias to everyone who made this podcast possible, including my early test listeners, editors, friends, and familia. This wouldn't be possible without you. If you like the show, please be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and share with your friends. You can find out more about Looking for Ultima at lookingforultima.com. You can follow us on Instagram at, at lookingforultima. Sigue buscando. Gracias. Gracias.